I would set, like I would say, I'm not gonna do this anymore. And then a few months would pass and then I would do it again. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of like a periodic thing. So I, I didn't even really think it was a problem. So I became a Christian and I gave my life to the Lord and I was like, I don't think that this was, like I wouldn't want my pastor to know that I'm doing this. Hi, this is Shlomo Sosin, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome any adversity in your life, whether it's anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, issues in your relationships, your families at home, you're being bullied, you have low self-esteem, whatever it is. I interview people from all around the world who are making a difference in our community, how they overcame a specific struggle, and how you can too. If you haven't done so, please click the link in the description of the 52 tips I wish I knew when I was in high school. And this is a free ebook I am providing you. It's only 20 pages long. It should take anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour to read and, com and can completely change your life. If you have a friend, a family member, or a classmate who's in this funk, can't seem to get out of it, please share the Teenage Impact Podcast with them because it's the best podcast out there for any teenage kid to listen to if they're feeling a little bit negative and they want to get over some type of hump. Today's podcast episode is not my traditional podcast episode. Yami Alexis goes into a lot of detail on her relationship with her faith, God, and Jesus. I understand that some of you may not be religious, may not have a relationship with God, but I want to give you a heads up before I go on with this podcast episode. So give it up for Yami Alexis Fernandez as she talks about how she overcame her insecurities, her porn addiction, and some of the bad decisions she made in her life. Yami, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Teenage Impact Podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so excited. Uh-huh. You know, I found you, I can't remember where I found you. I think I found you on TikTok, actually. Um, and then you were talking about a video on uh, porn addiction and how to overcome it. But I really want to know about you and your teenage years before we go into that. Yeah, for sure. I'm super duper pumped to be here. So um, I posted, like you said, a video on TikTok. So crazy. Like uh, I just felt like God wanted me to do that. It was some, It was like late at night, the night that I posted it. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea to share my story. And the first thing that I shared on it was about pornography. And the reason why I did that was because I know that so many people are ashamed to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to start with that because I knew that that would reach those who would probably just scroll by um, and not really ever hear my story. So that's why I kind of led with that. But basically why I shared that was because before I was a teenager, I went through a lot as a child. So I went through sexual abuse um, and I was introduced to pornography at the age of six years old. Wow. And my mom didn't leave um, that marriage until I was 12 years old. And so for six years, I was basically going through this abuse. I was just a, like a baby, you know, a child. And uh, we were new to this country. I didn't speak the language. So I was struggling with just insecurities about who I was. Then there's this person who's supposed to be the father role in my life. And they are, you know, 
not doing that. They're abusing their role. And so by the time I was 12 years old and I had the courage to tell my mom about the abuse, I was pretty much so, so, so broken. Like I did not have any self-confidence. I felt like I was just somebody that like was just a body. Like I didn't really see myself as like um, somebody who had worth, somebody who was beautiful. And um, so when I was 12 years old, I would, I wasn't like super into the pornography at the time, but it was just kind of like here and there because it had become a chain. It had become something that I would go to because that I thought it was normal. I didn't know any different. And so I got into a relationship at 13 and I was with that guy for five years. Obviously, if you think about it, if you're a 13 year old with no Mm self-esteem, literally just like grew up in a broken home, drugs, alcohol, abuse, you're probably not going to have the best choice in relationships. The guy that I was dating was very emotionally abusive and um, he would constantly reaffirm everything that I was already insecure about. That turned into um, drugs and hanging out with the wrong friends and basically like being the, the girl who got really, really good grades in school. Nobody knew that my life like behind the scenes was a mess. And um, I think about those girls in in high school and in middle school who most of the other girls admire because they're like, oh, she's so pretty and she's got the guy that everybody wants and then she's got the good grades and all of these things and she's popular. But most of the time, those are the girls that are the most broken um, because they don't have any sense of identity. And so they're trying to find that identity in your, their social circle, their friends, how they look, you know, what they wear, the guy. And so that was me literally like until I was 19. That's, that was my life. And I would just always try to find a way to numb the pain. And when one thing didn't work, I would just pick up another thing to numb the pain. By the time I got to high school, I was hanging out with the wrong crowds. I was pretty much bullied like I just was in like the worst kind of situation and I was still with this guy who obviously I was having sex with and I didn't I just had like no no purpose no sense of identity and I didn't have anybody to step in in that moment and tell me like hey you shouldn't be doing that you know um I was the older child my mom was imagine being just finding out that your daughter was abused by the guy you loved Uh And the guy you trusted. So she kind of went her way and didn't really show up in my life. And so I didn't really have that like uh, role as like a woman of God or or a woman who I could look up to Mm -hmm. or somebody who could say, hey, this is the direction that you should go. You have purpose. You have identity. You're beautiful. Like you don't have to do these things. Um, And at at the end of the day, those things aren't even going to fulfill you. I had to find that kind of out on my own. It took me a while, you know, it took me a, a minute to, to figure out. But by the time I got to high school, um, my mom was a single mom. We were on food stamps. We were on government assistance. And um, I just was struggling to, to feel confident in myself. I just felt like we never had enough. And I felt like I didn't have enough emotionally. Um, support. I didn't have anybody there that I could talk to. And I had never at this point 
told anybody, like an adult, what had happened other than my mom. I was kind of struggling in silence. About this was not your, this was not your biological father. It was your, it was not my, bio- so my, my, um, my dad is actually in Cuba and, okay. uh, my dad, when we got approved to come to this country, my dad, um, chose to stay in Cuba because my grandparents are older okay. and, um, they needed the help. So this was, uh, my sister's father. Mm-hmm. He, um, your sister, father, so he sexually abused you, introduced you to pornography for about six years. And then you you tell your mother. And then from high school, that's when you start making some of the wrong choices in life. How did that affect you mentally? Well, from literally not even high school, like by I was 13, uh-huh. my mom left. Um, my sister's dad. And so at that moment, it was like my whole entire life changed. Like imagine going from being every single day told like, you're ugly, you're not enough, all of these things, you know, that you're hearing. And then you're also hearing, you don't matter. Your voice doesn't matter. Nobody's going to believe you. Um, If you do say something, then I'm going to hurt you and your family. When I was 13, I was already like scared. I didn't trust anybody. You know, I didn't trust my mom. I didn't trust my family. I didn't trust people. I didn't trust myself because I thought, why, why didn't you say something sooner? You know, like all of these voices just become really, really loud. And you feel like you're the only one that's going through it because then the shame comes in of like, who can I tell? Mm-hmm. You know, if it was so hard for me to tell my own mom and even, you know, the fear of like, what if she doesn't believe me and being questioned and all of those things, like, what if I decide to tell someone else? And then the same thing happens. Obviously, you know, when you think of like mental health, like I just, I didn't, I didn't trust anybody. I was afraid. I was nervous. I was like, felt alone. I felt angry. I felt depressed. I felt anxious, like all of those bad emotions, but then also a lot of anger. Um, and I didn't realize that until I started going to therapy that I was really, really angry at my mom. I was really angry at, at, at life, at God. Um, I didn't know it was God at the time, but I was just angry and I was really, really struggling with that. Mm -hmm. And when did the porn addiction start? So I would, like I said, it wasn't, so when I think of a porn addiction, there's different levels to it, just like any addiction, you know, you, there could be somebody who's like every single day, that's something that they struggle with. There's somebody that is periodically like monthly or, you know, weekly or biweekly or whatever. Like, so for me, it wasn't like I was doing this every single day or it was like, you know, super heavy. Like Mm -hmm. it was every like few months, um, here and there, but it was still affecting my life Uh and I couldn't get myself to stop. If that makes sense. So like I would set, like, I would say, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then a few months would pass and then I would do it again. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of like a periodic thing. So I, I didn't even really think it was a problem. So I became a Christian and I gave my life to the Lord. And I was like, I don't think that this was like, I wouldn't want my pastor to know that I'm doing this. I wouldn't want 
somebody to know this. So obviously this is something that I should not be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when I started to feel convicted because I did not feel convicted about it. I didn't even care until I, I gave my life to the Lord, if that makes sense. Once I gave my life to the Lord, um, it actually got harder. <laughs> um, cause then I mm. felt like it was like, I felt like I knew what was wrong, but now mm. I was like, I don't know if I could ever stop this kind of thing. So it became this like cycle until I finally talked to my, my Bible study group leader. Um, when I joined the Bible study, I was in a Bible study for like two weeks and I was like, I need to tell her because if I don't tell her, I am never going to overcome this. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I truly, that was August of 2017. That's when I truly started to set those boundaries, take action towards stopping that. And it still took me to like three years, two years, okay. three years. Um, September of 2019 was fully when I was able to overcome and learn like, gotcha. okay, why am I doing this? Why am I going back to this and all of that? And how did you learn to overcome it? It was a, it was a process. process. Yeah, it was a process. So first it started with just talking to somebody. Then it started with going to, then I started going to counseling. Um, then I started to set those like block, like take some action. Cause I think a lot of people, like the biggest question that I get from people about this is they're like, well, you know, like I, especially Christians, like they're like, I prayed about it and like, it just doesn't go away. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like, where's your plan? Like, are you doing something intentionally to change? I had to take action steps, like setting up content blockers on my phone, talking to people to have accountability, you know, stop listening to certain types of music, um, stop following certain people on social media, which I mean, most of my friends are like, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? That's too yeah. much. Like, you don't need to do all that. I'm like, well, Yes, I do, because I, I want to overcome this. And if I want to overcome this, then I have to take action. And I have to be willing to change the way that I've been living. Because at the end of the day, it's still not fulfilling me. Like, I still mm -hmm. feel empty. And it's, it's a false, empty love, if that makes sense. It's just... Absolutely. So, yeah, that's... I mean, it took me two years. And then I ended up going to a, a conference, a Christian conference. And that night, I really, really felt like something shifted in me. And I just realized I'm like, okay, I cannot just keep going back and forth. I can't just like semi be okay with this. I guess I'm taking action steps toward it. But even then I was, I still kind of was like, this isn't that bad. Like I'm mm -hmm. not hurting someone, you know? And so I had to be really convicted in my heart that no, this is not who I am. I'm better than this. And I don't want to go back to it. If that makes sense. Yeah. If you're talking to someone who's okay with watching porn, would you think that they still have a problem or would you say, you know, if it, it all depends on the person and what their wants and needs are? If you are okay with it, then mm. you are part of the problem, you know, okay. because if you, if I'm okay with what I'm doing, then there's no reason for me to mm. change. Absolutely. So you have to get to a point where you hate the things that God hates. And how mm -hmm. I did that was honestly, like I got educated on the industry as well. Mm -hmm. I started to realize that most of the women that are a part of this are forced, drugged, mm -hmm. and they're not enjoying it. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like they're, they're being forced. A lot of the people that get into this industry that actually are a part of the industry, they are 
sexually abused. They are forced. They are sex trafficked. And so by me supporting that, because that's what you're doing, you're supporting that. I am supporting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I am supporting these women who could be my sisters, who could be my brothers, who could be my future children Mm -hmm. to, it's just sick, you know? And when you get to that point and you're, and it starts to break your heart and you're like, wait a second, like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not okay. And you start to realize like, it just hurts you. And so then now not only do you feel convicted because you know that you don't want to do it, but now you're like, this isn't just about me. Mm-hmm. No, Absolutely. this is hurting other people. So I think that also plays a role in why I'm so passionate about talking about it because pornography splits up marriages. Pornography makes people suicidal. Pornography leads to drugs. Pornography leads to feeling lonely and having low self-esteem, it leads to other things. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, hopefully that makes sense. It makes sense. And when did you realize that you had a problem? Um, I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't see it as like an issue until I became a Christian. Okay. And I think like I gave my life to the Lord in 2016. Mm -hmm. um, After So basically after that last relationship ended, that was five years Um, I got into another relationship and it was Mm -hmm. the same. I feel like as teenagers, they know like you end up dating the same guy with a different name. (laughs) Um, That's what I did. And then um, again, like it just ended really, really bad. And um, it was again, emotionally abusive and all of that. And a few months later, um, I gave my life to the Lord. I did. I dedicated my life to him. And then I realized I'm like, there's a lot of things that I am doing that are just not good. Uh And I am not like, I'm not happy with the way that I treat people. I'm not happy with how I lie about things so easily or how I could be so deceiving or how I could be so rude or gossip or just like all of these things. And it wasn't like God was like, this is what you're doing wrong. You need to change. It was like he, his love and his mercy and spending time with him and seeing the person that I was becoming and then meeting other people who were my age, who were just so kind and so happy. And I was like, I want that. Like, what are you doing? I like, obviously haven't found that. And so that's how I realized I'm like, wait a second, like I'm doing all of these things and I'm still miserable and I still feel alone and I, and I still feel empty, but they are, you know, giving and loving and not lying and, and talking good about people and all of these things, like, you know, I just, I realized I'm like, okay, if I want to have those things, I need to change my heart. And so I started to cut out things that did not lead me to mm-hmm. be that person. Um, I set goals for who I wanted to be, not for like habits that I wanted to stop. If that makes sense. It makes sense. You became a Christian. Um, you gave your life to the Lord. Uh, what was that process? Like, how did you, uh, what convinced you to go that route? Um, honestly, I didn't take a lot of convincing uh-huh. because I I was really, really tired mm-hmm. of trying to figure everything out on my own. And um, I feel like anybody who is an older sibling 
or has had to grow up very quickly can relate to this. There comes a point where you become sick and tired of always having to know all the answers. Mm -hmm. And even when you have the answers, they're not even, they're not even serving a, like they're not even the right answers. And so like they're leading you down this path where you just feel more and more empty. Honestly, to me, it was like, I don't have to know everything. Like there's this way that I can follow something that actually leads to the things that I've always wanted in my life. Okay. Like sign me up. Like I, I'm, I will lead people. Like I am good at leading people to do things. <laughs> I would lead people to not, the wrong. I can not your born leader. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I would get these girls to do all of these wrong things yeah. with me in, in middle school. So like, let me start telling them about Jesus. And yeah. so, yeah, I just, for me, it wasn't necessarily even about me. It was like, oh, it, selfishly, it was like, if I don't have to figure my life out on my own and there's this way where I could feel fulfilled and I could mm -hmm. love people and I could forgive, you know, the people mm -hmm. who hurt me and I could let go of my past and truly walk in freedom, like, tell me how to do that. <laughs> like, that's what I've been looking for, you know? So, What was that turning point that you said, you know what, enough is enough? Was there like an exact moment or was it just uh, a process? I think everything starts with a decision. Okay. Um, so it starts with you making a decision. A decision means to cut off. Mm -hmm. So you're cutting off every other option. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had to make a decision like, this is what I want now. And so there, with that decision came other decisions of like, okay, if, if this is what I want, let's say, for example, if I want purity, I no longer want to date guys who are going to make me feel like mm -hmm. I'm just somebody to have sex with or whatever. Or if I no longer want to struggle with pornography or if I no longer want to do drugs or if I no longer want to feel empty, what are the decisions that I have to make in order to walk in that? And for, I, I feel like a lot of times people are just waiting for this like moment where they feel like, oh, I just feel inspired. I just yeah. feel motivated. I just feel like reading my Bible or whatever. Like I don't feel like it every day. You know, I don't feel like being a Christian every day. I don't feel like not cursing somebody out when they are yeah. disrespectful or, or, you know, I don't feel like not numbing with certain things. Like, of course I, that's the easier mm -hmm. route, you know, but at the end of the day, like I have to remember, like if I choose that, I'm also choosing the pain and the things that I was feeling mm -hmm. before. And mm -hmm. so it, it's not just this temporary, it's not just this temporary fix. It's also going to be a long-term pain. And so for me, it wasn't necessarily like, okay, I'm going to change tomorrow. I would have loved that. Honestly, that's the type of person that I am. So if it was up to me, I would have been like, yes, Lord, just fix it tomorrow. But I feel like if we don't ever go through a process, then it's like, it's easier to fall back into those habits. But when you're building that character mm -hmm. every single day, when you're, when you're having to intentionally say, no, I'm not going to say this to this person. No, I'm not going to like, it's hard, you know, but those daily decisions kind of build up upon each other. And then you're like, whoa, like if for the last six months, I've been able to say no, you know, I, I'm, I'm moving towards the right direction. And even when I would fall short, because I did a lot, um, I always immediately knew I'm like, okay, well, God's already forgiven me. 
So I need to forgive myself. And then I need to just get back on it. And my favorite analogy for this is like, I see it as like, we're on, we're on in a car on a road and our road is, you know, our life. And sometimes we get pulled over and we just have to stop. You know, we just have to take a second to pause. And I think a lot of people look at it as like, oh, I messed up. So like, I just turned the the car around and I'm going the other direction. No, maybe you just had to fix like the wheel. Maybe you just had to take a second and there's something that you're still working out, but that doesn't mean that you're backsliding or that there's something majorly wrong with you. I think that it's there. You have to have compassion towards yourself and understand that you're human. And if like, you know, for me, if I was introduced to pornography at the age of six, how arrogant of me would it be to think that I would overcome this in one night when it was something that took me 16 years, like, it's going to take me time to change that habit and that pattern. Like, and, and that's where most people quit is that they fall short. And then they're like, well, guess I didn't really change. Like, yeah. no, messed up once. <laughs> like, calm and down. Even if they fall short, as long they're getting further along than they were before. Yeah. They're so falling they're, forward. They're, the times of uh, falling short they're actually 10 times more ahead than before. So it's not like you're falling short of the goal. You are falling short of the main goal, but you're still making progress. Exactly. And you know, you're a heavy Christian and how can you tie in your religion to the other religions out there? Like for example, there's other people that's Muslims, um, Jews, Hindus. How can they take the same principles as what you believe in? I don't see my relationship with Uh God as religion. Uh Um, I think that the biggest, that's such a big flaw um, because if we see it as religion, then it's based on me doing good Mm -hmm. and it's based on my merits versus grace and love Mm -hmm. and truth, which is who God is. And so for me, it's not necessarily about religion. It's about relationship. And it's about my relationship with God. And Mm -hmm. so the moment that I make it about religion, the moment I become hypocritical and judgmental of people's journeys. And Mm -hmm. I cannot do that, you know, because the same measure that I used to judge others will be used for me. Um, And so I just, I mean, I can't really speak into other people's belief systems, but I can tell you that no matter you know, what you're struggling with, what, if it's pornography, you can use the, the principles that I shared um, and you can use those and apply them into, into your life. Mm-hmm. Now, um, my personal belief is that I wouldn't have been able to do it without the grace of God because he showed me how to love myself. He showed me how, to, what true unconditional love is. And so without that, I don't think I would have been able to overcome it because I didn't know I wasn't modeled that I wasn't taught how to love or how to walk in grace or how to walk in purity. And so I learned that through Jesus and through the way that he lived his life and through the way that other Christians in my life have not talked about being a Christian, but lived Mm -hmm. it out. They've shown me grace. They've shown me love. They've shown me forgiveness. And 
that that's kind of how I walk it out. So um, I don't know if how it is if you're walking through another religion, but I truly think that the biggest change that has to happen for Christians is that we have to go from thinking this is about religion and rules and really have a relationship with Jesus because that's what changed my life. It wasn't going to church more. It wasn't understanding every single book in the Bible. It wasn't changing the way that I dress and how I talk. Like all of that was a byproduct of having a real relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Great point. Great point. And you talked about how um, you were very insecure in, growing up. You were always told you're worthless. You're not beautiful. How did you overcome those insecurities? Um, I think I'm still learning. Uh, uh-huh. I think every single day I have to be intentional and mm-hmm. speak life into myself. Um, I think every single day I um, have to get to know myself and really see myself the way that God sees me. Mm -hmm. And so what's really helped me is honestly scriptures about who God says I am. You Mm -hmm. know, when I read those things, I'm like, well, if he says that about me, why don't I believe that about myself? Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not perfect. Like every single day, you know, I mean, I feel like as a girl, most girls are like, oh my God, you know, this fat here, this hair here, this, Mm -hmm. or this clothing doesn't fit this way or whatever. And Um, It's easy to always compare yourself to other people. Um, And what I've had to learn is that if the more that I compare myself, the less beautiful I feel, (laughs) Um, the less worthy I feel. And so uh, if I look at another girl on social media and I just say, wow, she's so beautiful, but so am I. And just start saying that over myself every single day. But that doesn't mean that I don't have insecurities. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that there aren't days where I'm like, girl, like, you just look rough today. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> now, I think now it's more of like, not from like a critical place. It wasn't necessarily just about like my physical appearance, which I know that's really, really strong. Most women struggle with that. But it was also just about my character, uh, who I am, what I have, and understanding that I'm not what I do, that I'm not what I look like, that I'm not the mistakes that I've made, that I'm enough just as I am. And that's taken therapy. That's taken time. That's taken years. Um, and that's taken like looking yourself in the mirror and saying like, you're beautiful. Like you're enough, you're worthy and over and over and over. And it helps if you have, you know, other, uh, awesome people around you who are always speaking life into you as well and saying those things. Great point. And what would you tell someone who's trying to overcome a porn addiction? They really want to, and they're trying, but they keep falling short. What, what, what are some of the steps that's helped you? So first, I would say that you're not alone, mm-hmm. and that a lot of times when you're struggling with a pornography addiction, uh, the biggest thing that keeps you stuck is shame. And shame is really, really good at keeping you quiet. And so the biggest thing that you need to do is you have to talk about it. If you don't bring it to light, you know, it says in the Bible in James that when we talk, confess to one another, then we will be healed. Mm -hmm. And 
confession to me means that I'm willing to tell you, I'm willing to be vulnerable and honest before you even ask. And so I have to be willing to put myself out there. And I suggest doing this with someone who is on the path that you want to be on. You know, don't share this with a friend who's like, oh yeah, like I watch it too. It's fine. Like we're fine. It doesn't take anything, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Like you've got to talk to somebody who's like, okay, like we're going to overcome this. And so the first step is you have to talk to someone. If, and, and I know what some of you are thinking, you're like, well, I don't have anyone. Okay, a great place to start is joining a church, um, a local Bible study. Seriously, like my Bible study group teacher, me and her are so best friends. And whenever I'm struggling, I still go to her and I still tell her, hey, I had a really rough day today. Can you mm-hmm. please pray with me? So that's the way that I that I kind of started. And then from there, like I said, setting up those um, boundaries, setting up those content plan, like blockers, all of those things, like taking the actual physical actions that you need to do, but then also understanding that you're going to have triggers. So you have to know what triggers you. And the biggest thing that people struggle with is that they walk around kind of like, like, for example, I don't know if you've struggled with pornography, but or lust, any type of lust, the mm-hmm. biggest thing is like, let's say for example, right now I have a thought and my thought is like very inappropriate. I'm thinking mm-hmm. something wrong. I'm thinking something that I know is sexual and is probably going to make me go down this rabbit hole of like, let's say I see someone and I'm like, Oh wow, they're so attractive. Okay. My brain is just going down that road. Yeah. That road right. And especially when you're a teenager, like your hormones are like just whoop, all over Out the place. Whack, yeah. Yeah. So you're like, I just saw this girl on TikTok and she was dancing all over the place. And now I'm over here, like my Mm -hmm. hormones, I don't know. And so, but then what you do is you entertain it. So then you're like playing out the scenario in your head. You're like, well, you know, this, and then this girl, and then you're like, just playing it out. Right. And so you're just having a grand old time in your mind and you're like, it's fine. Nothing's going to happen. But what you just did was you opened up that door. Mm -hmm. So then the next time that happens again you're birthing this desire so then you're feeding the desire then you're like okay i see another girl same same thing do the the see another guy same thing and then what ends up happening is that desire is gonna at one point turn into an action Mm -hmm. and so that's gonna lead to like oh like i feel lonely so let me text so-and-so oh i feel this so let me go on social media and but it's not that bad i just i just looked at it once but then it becomes a chain. So then now you're like, I feel lonely. I do this, even though it's unfulfilling, you go back to it. And so the best way to change it. And I know, I know it's hard. Like I ain't going to lie to you. Like it literally, I'll never forget. Like I would be in church. I would be in church. (laughs) (laughs) Literally like I would be trying to worship. I would be like, Yes, like I'm here for God, all these things. And then there would be like a really attractive worship leader. And then my mind would just go, like, just the other direction. And I would have to be like, Lord Jesus, help me. Like, I cannot. But I would have to stop those thoughts. Because if I didn't stop it in that moment, like, it was just going to be this desire. Like, that. then I couldn't control it. If that now, would you, would you try to ignore it or was it acknowledged? Oh, no, like I would, I would, I would be like, girl, you cannot think like that. Like, uh-huh. uh-uh. like that is your brother in Christ. Like, don't like, that is not who you are. And uh-huh. I would have to start telling myself like who I wanted to be. Like, uh-huh. even though in that moment, like, 
I was not thinking pure or holy. I would be like, I am pure. I am holy. Like, I am not going to do that. I am not going to think about somebody like that. Mm -hmm. And that would, that would be like every, you know, every Mm -hmm. day, every hour. (laughs) Like it was, it was hard. Like it was not easy to stop that because before I would just entertain it. I would just be like, oh yeah, you know, it's cute, whatever, you know, and that's why I was stuck in that cycle because it was, I was okay with it, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And I know some of you guys are thinking, you're like, well, then I'm going to be all day just, you know, telling myself I'm pure and I'm holy. Yes, you are. You are Mm going to be all day telling yourself that until it becomes who you actually are. Gotcha. You know, what's what's your viewpoint on masturbation without the pornography? Um, I think that masturbation Mm -hmm. is like playing with fire. Mm -hmm. So I think like if you, it's still like feeding that like lustful, like, let me, let me satisfy myself kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And the biggest thing that I think the lie that we tell ourselves is maybe, you know, you're, you're single, you know, like, cause I'm single. So, you know, maybe you're single and you're like, well, like I'm single. So like, you know, I got needs or whatever, like, you know, all the things Mm -hmm. that you're telling yourself. But honestly, like if you're not able to control yourself now, what makes you think you're going to be able to control yourself when you're married? Mm -hmm. And you might be like, Oh, when I'm married, I'm going to be having sex every day or whatever you're thinking. Well, no, like what if you never know. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't understand, you don't know what's going to happen. And right now you're building up that discipline mm-hmm. so that you can be faithful when you are married, because when you're married, you know, or when you're in a relationship, that does not mean that guys are going to stop hitting up your DMs. Mm-hmm. That does not mean that girls are not going to stop. They're going to stop dressing provocatively. That mm-hmm. does not mean that you are not going to be tempted. It's always going to be there. So Temptations if, will always be around. Exactly. So if you can't say no to yourself now, what makes you think that you're going to be able to say no to yourself later? Mm-hmm. So you've got to be willing to build up that discipline. Now, am I saying it's easy? No, like it's not. Obviously, it, you still have those desires, but I think it's worth it. Because if I'm building up that discipline now, you know, when I do get married, because that is my goal. And when I am with my godly spouse, then I will be able to enjoy sex in a pure way. And I'm not going to be like distracted. You know, if I, if a guy tries to cause me to infidelity, I have already built up this discipline of like, nope, like that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm faithful. I can, I can stick through it. So I think as a, as a young man as well, you got to think about that. You know, if you're entertaining all of these girls right now, if you're entertaining that, that sexual desire and you can't, you can't keep it under control, then when you're married, you're going to have a really hard time being faithful. Mm -hmm. And just because you're married doesn't mean that your pornography addiction is going to go away. I've talked to a lot of married people who are addicted to pornography and still struggle with masturbation, whatever, like all of that. Because they, they are still trying to satisfy something that God created to be satisfied between a marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's crazy that you brought that up because I'm not sure if you're familiar with Manny Pacquiao, Filipino um, boxer, the boxer. boxer. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, really famous in, in the Philippines, but he's also famous here. Um, he actually talks about when he was uh, married, still is married, but he would, uh, 
when he started becoming famous, all these beautiful women around him, he'll have these temptations. And I'm not sure if he cheated. I can't remember if he said he cheated, but eventually when he did say he found that relationship with God, like everything just went away. And it's crazy that you're saying that because, you know, this, these struggles do exist in real life. And especially in celebrities, when someone becomes famous and a male or females around them all the time, um, there's a lot of temptations going around. So self-control is extremely important. Whether it is with masturbation, pleasing your needs, or other stuff like alcohol, drugs, or other, other yeah. short-term pleasures. Yeah. Now, do you have any last tips for a struggling teen? Um, possibly they were maybe assaulted sexually they don't have confidence in themselves or trying to get over some addiction yeah so um i love that you said that you know i think we think that it's just gonna go away mm-hmm. and it's not you it's a daily discipline um and that's not something that you have to do on your own and that's mm-hmm. where like your relationship with god is so crucial because if you, if i could have self-control on my own all the time, then I would have never had a 16 year struggle Mm -hmm. with something. And so um, what I would say to a teenager, if you are a girl, um, first, I would say that you're beautiful, not because of what you do, or because of what you can accomplish or your performance or whatever you try to find your value in or the way that you look or what you wear, or who you hang out with, or the boyfriend that you have, or whatever you're trying to fill that void in, you have to know your true worth. Mm-hmm. And your true worth doesn't come from any of those things. And the moment that you start to realize who God truly created you to be, then you will stop trying to fill those needs mm-hmm. with those things that no longer serve you. Um, and so I would just say that you're beautiful, that you're enough, that there's nothing wrong with, you know, asking for help, um, that not everybody is going to hurt you and that not everybody is trying to use you or whatever, whatever you're feeling that you can trust people. Um, and that there are good people out there, um, that truly love and want to support you and want to be there for you. And there are good role models that you can follow. You don't have to be like the people that you see on social media that are celebrities. That's, you don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to have a certain body type. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't, don't look at those people for your worth or for your measure of how good you are because you're always going to fall short. Um, and then if you're a guy, I would say that, again, you also have worth. And um, no matter the mistakes that you're making right now, I know that you could have also been abused. Okay, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> um, <but laughs> Don't cry. <laughs> I know, this is, oh, this is hard. But I would just say that, you know, that it's okay to also say that you've gone through things and mm-hmm. that it doesn't make you any less of a man. If anything, it makes you stronger Absolutely. and you don't have to pretend like you're okay. Um, you don't have to hide those things or try to numb the pain. Um, because I promise you, like I said, there's always people who truly want to help. And there's always people who you can look up to, who are walking in a way 
that are truly happy, that are truly fulfilled, that are truly walking in their purpose, and that are not just about themselves. That, you know, as a man, I don't care if you're 10 years old, you're 13, you're, you're 17, you are a leader. And God has called you to be a leader. And, you know, for women too, but specifically men, um, and I want you guys to know that you are either leading people towards bad things that are going to leave them empty and depressed and broken, or you are walking in, in, in light and you're leading other men and other women to good things. Mm-hmm. And they will look back and say, thank you for being an inspiration and thank you for leading the path. And that is way more fulfilling than any other thing that you can try to, to use to numb the pain. And um, if you're battling with addiction, I would just say that again, you're not alone. And so many people battle with addiction. It's not just substances. You could be addicted to complaining. You could be addicted to gossip. You could be addicted to being negative. And so don't feel like you're any less than anybody else just because that's the way that you're feeling a need right now. And I promise you that once you start truly filling that need with the only thing that could fulfill you with is, which is God and in a relationship with Jesus, then you will start to not even desire those things and it will start to get easier, mm-hmm. but it's a process. And like I said, it took me 16 years. So don't beat yourself up if it takes you, you know, five years, 10 years, 11 years, like there's nothing wrong with you. Um, you just keep walking it out. Great point. Because, you know, a lot of times we want to overcome a certain challenge And like I said before, that progress is the only thing that matters, not the destination. And eventually the destination will come. And and you also mentioned not to ever fight alone. There's so many people, um, whatever challenge that you can think of, someone has overcame it. And that's uh, exactly why I'm writing this book is because I've interviewed you in my 48th interview out of 51. And which is why I'm writing this book to compile these interviews and show people and show teenagers that, hey, like this person overcame this struggle, this person overcame that struggle. So they can find like different techniques and strategies on how to do so. Yes, I love that. That's <laughs> and where can people find you? Um, so I am on Instagram on TikTok. <laughs> TikTok famous now. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, you know it's so funny. Like people actually like it's hilarious. I get DMs. They're like, I know you're like TikTok famous. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, so I am on TikTok, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all, and it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, y a m i l e x i s Yami Lexis. Hernandez with an F and a Z. Um, but I'm sure all of that will be like in the description. And if stuff. people want to find out more about, uh, I didn't mention, uh, talk about it, but more about your uh, business that you have, how can they find, uh, contact you? Yes. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, I know on TikTok, you can't message people unless they're following you. So I would say Instagram, Facebook would be um, the best route so far. And then also I'm on, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, any of my social media platforms, you can, um, message me and, um, I'm more than happy to reach out. And in my Instagram bio, there is a link 
where you can um, fill out a form and I can contact you as well. But yeah, pretty, just DM me. Well, I really do appreciate this, Yami. And then um, really inspired by you and everything that you do. And I'm truly grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. From what I took away from on how to overcome porn addiction with Yami Lexis was that, well, first things first, just like any problem that we have, just like any addiction that we have, is first things first, we have to, we must admit we have that problem. Second thing we must do is that we can't, we can't do things alone. A lot of times we try to get over some addiction or, or try to achieve some goal. Second thing we need to do is find some type of support group or people who have done it in the past or some type of mentor to help you get through it. This can be someone from your church. This could be a support group in your community. This can be a trusted adult, whatever it is, a friend. You know, tell other people to hold you accountable and to help you get over this journey. And number three is to take simple action steps. Many times we try to achieve a goal. We try to get over addiction. Um, we might be doing a certain addiction every day or every week. And then all of a sudden we get to once every month or once every two or three months. And then we feel guilty about it ourselves. We beat ourselves up over and over and over again. But let me tell you, once every two to three months and once a month is still way better than what you've been off uh, every day or every week. So it's all about progress. It's not actually about getting to the destination, but you have to start with the decision that you're going to do whatever it takes. And if you see yourself that you you're getting back to your old habits, you're still better off than where you used to be. You just have to keep on failing forward. And that's the key. If you're not following me on Instagram yet, go follow me, Ashlama Solson. Uh, you, you get to see the personal side of me. You know, a lot of times you see me, you, you hear a voice, but you can't put a picture to the voice. In Instagram, you get to put a picture to hopefully my pretty, vo- my pretty voice. So go ahead, follow me, Ashlama Solson. It's going to be in the description. So until next time, peace.